What's going on, everyone, and welcome to the Relentless Health Podcast. My name is Calvin Johnson. I'm a public health student at BYU, hybrid athlete, a husband, and father. My goal with Relentless Health is to share with you stories from the most inspiring healthcare business minds, executives, directors, nurse leaders, and up-and-comers to find out what it takes to be relentless in the ever-changing world of healthcare. So please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and subscribe to be notified when a new episode comes out. Now let's get after it. Growing up as a kid, you don't think of your situation as a disadvantage. It's not until you get older and the world tells you that you are in poverty or that your situation is a disadvantage that you start to connect the dots. And as I look back on my life, I realize that the world may tell us that, you know, growing up poor or growing up in a single parent home or growing up, you know, in a foster care system may be a disadvantage. But from my perspective, experiencing all of those things, I'm here to tell you that those things can become an advantage to you. I grew up uh, in inner city Miami from the age of one to four. I have nine siblings between my mom and my dad. And we grew up poor. We grew up in poverty. Uh, we lived in a little uh, a little apartment in Opelika, Florida. And we were very much poor. My mom and my dad were on drugs as well when they when they had me and they abused drugs during that time and to the point where the state came and got us and took us away and placed us in foster care. And a lot of my siblings were split up during that time. I distinctly remember being taken from my parents and being split up specifically taken from my siblings and split up into different homes. Thankfully, me and my sister, who's just a year older than me, they kept us together because we were the oldest of the bunch. But for the rest of my siblings, they weren't so fortunate and that has impacted our family for decades. A lot of my siblings I have never seen since. Thankfully, we found a few of my other siblings and we were able to be reunited a few years ago. But there's still some siblings out there whom we have found, but they don't want contact with us. And so that's kind of hard because they don't view us as their family. And so that whole situation, the choices of my parents really impacted the future of our family and the relationships um, between the siblings. So after we were placed in foster care, my sister, who was 18 at the time, she had to be old enough to be able to adopt us. And she did just that. She came and got me and my sister, uh, who's just a year older than me, as I mentioned. She adopted us when she was 18 years old. At the time, she was living in Orlando, Florida, and she was working at Dunkin' Donuts, I believe. And... I believe she was making about $5 an hour, if I remember correctly. That statistic may be false. I don't know, but I got to confirm with her. But from 
what I remember, she was making about $5 an hour in, I want to say like, this is like around 1997, 98, somewhere around there. And she came and got us. And I remember we traveled up from Miami to Orlando, Florida. And everything that we had in our bag that we moved was, it was a, it was a black bag, black trash bags that we carried and that we moved up to Orlando with. And she had a condo at the time that we lived in and she was doing pretty well for herself, you know, considering the the circumstances that she came from, she moved out when she was 14 years old to start to take care of herself, or it might've been 15, uh, to start taking care of herself. And, you know, she is an angel. She is a blessing in my life. She's a blessing to our family because without her, our family would not be together today. And I'm just being honest with you. She is, she's everything to our family. And I'm, I'm so grateful for her leadership of the family, her stewardship of the family, and just her example of what it means to really love your family and to give them the shirt off your back. So moving forward, after she came and got us and we we started living with her and we started going to school, we were still poor, you know, uh, her being a single mom, you know, it was tough on her. She never let us see. It, she never showed that it was overwhelming. She was always strong. She was always brave. She was always working hard. And I think that's where I got my work ethic from. It's just watching her my entire life just work and work and work to provide for us. And she wasn't just working and standing still. She was working, but getting better and making more and becoming a better person. And she was just setting herself up for success in in life and setting us up for success through her example. As a kid, I had a lot of anger issues, let's just say. And I didn't do too well in school. Uh, I was told that I had a learning disability and that I was a slow learner. And I acted out because as a kid, I, I didn't know what I what I was mad at. I was just mad all the time. At school, I would flip desk. I would yell at teachers. I would get in fights. This is me second, third grade. So it wasn't like I was, you know, older and doing this stuff. I was just acting out as a as a little kid and had no and didn't understand why I was so angry. I didn't understand that until later on, until my teenage years when my sister made me go to a therapist because she was sick of me being angry and upset. And she couldn't figure out why I was always so upset and why I would flip out, you know. And so as a kid, I got held back twice. And I was just, I didn't care about anything. I didn't feel like I was wanted. I didn't feel like I had value or that I was worthy of love, of being loved because of the situation that happened of me being taken from my family and placed in foster care. That was a revelation that I, that came about in therapy when I was 17 years old. That's why I was angry. I didn't have a care whether I lived or died. It all stemmed from that moment of being taken from my parents and feeling like my parents didn't want me. And so as a kid, second, third grade got, you know, suspended so much that they had to keep me back. I didn't graduate high school till I was 19 years old.
almost 20. I was three months away from being 20 years old when I graduated high school. And that's because they kept me back two years. And this behavior continued through middle school and up, I want to say up until about eighth grade, ninth grade, really. This behavior of just not caring about anything, getting in fights and just acting out because I was told in elementary that I had a learning disability. And so as a kid, when someone tells you that you don't measure up, you begin to act, you begin to act out. And that behavior persisted until eight, eighth, ninth grade. In sixth grade, I I had my eyes open to me about or my eyes open to a, a different world. See, because I grew up in the ghetto. I grew up in all black neighborhoods my entire life up until sixth grade. And in sixth grade, mind you, I had already been left back twice. So I was 12 years old in sixth grade. A little old for that grade, right? <laughs> but in sixth grade, my sister, she had gotten a divorce from her husband at that time. And we moved to a place called Windermere, Florida. And we lived in inner city Orlando at this time. Um, and if any of you from Orlando, you we lived in Orange Center. So projects, right? <laughs> um, so we moved out to Windermere, Florida. And if any of you have been to Windermere, Florida, it's a whole it's a completely different world than inner city Orlando. There's big houses. Wesley Snipes had a $20 million mansion out there, I believe. Uh, just the houses were big. The neighborhoods were nice. The, the grass was clean. I mean, not clean. <laughs> the grass was cut and it was, you know, manicured, manicured. And it was, it was a whole different world for me. There was all sorts of diversity out there you've seen asians you've seen white people you've seen black people everyone looked like they were thriving and that was a shock that was a culture shock for me coming from where we came from and at that point that's when my eyes began to open up to a different world but that same behavior that i had persisted at my new school and eventually, I, I only lasted about half a school year before they kicked me out of school altogether. So I couldn't go to any public school <laughs> in Orlando because I had racked up such a bad rap sheet. <laughs> and I remember I got in a fight with this kid because he kept bullying me. He kept bullying me. I told him not to. I was trying to be a changed man at this point. I was like, this is a new start. This is a fresh start. You know, I'm trying to be a changed man. But he kept testing me. And so I had to test him back. And that was the final straw for me. <laughs> and I got kicked out of school and I had to go to an alternative school. But if you know anything about me, you know that I always played football. Started playing football when I was seven years old and I was dang good at it. I was always bigger, faster than everyone else. And I couldn't play football because we lived so far out in Windermere. And if you know anything about football in florida you play in the city league or you play in the state league you play in the state league it costs money it costs a lot of money to play and i play it for the central florida knights and we you know we traveled around you know central florida playing different teams from different towns and inner city football 
we we just live too far to to for me to go to practice. And so I stopped playing football and I had to go to this alternative school. And that is not an environment that I want to send my kids. Like that is just that environment is just bad. We'll just say that. I don't even know the words to explain it, but it was just not a good a good point. It was not a good phase in my life to be at that school because yeah, they kick you out of school and they say into these alternative school, but you still get in fights because you people are testing you because everyone is trying to, you know, see who has, you know, who's the toughest person. And so thankfully my sister, she knew that I, I love playing football and she, I guess she just wanted me to have a fresh start. So we moved up to South Carolina and, you know, at this point she's still a single parent. Um, she was married for a few years, you know, during that time, but, you know, as I mentioned, she got a divorce, but when we moved up to South Carolina, it was still the same thing. She was working, uh, her butt off to support us and to move us away from the environment and the circumstances, uh, that most black people face in America. And, um, excuse me, not most, but many black people face in America, which is poverty and crime and you know, just mediocrity. So she wanted to move us out of Florida altogether and just give the whole family a new start. And we moved to a little backwoods town in South Carolina called Walterboro. And there I still got into some trouble, not as much trouble. But by this point, I was starting to change. I was, I was um, 14, 15 years old. And I started to change, but I still had some of my bad behaviors as well. I joined a gang at this point. Didn't tell her. She doesn't know about this. So if, Taloria, if you're listening, don't tell anyone. (laughs) That didn't make any sense. But um, I joined the gang at this time, and we didn't get any trouble. We got in fights, you know, did little things like that. But it was it wasn't until I got in eighth grade to where I started running track and started to realize how much I love sports. And so I started be, becoming involved in sports a lot to the point where I didn't have time to get in trouble. I didn't have time to, you know, look for trouble or hang around people that were getting in trouble. And running track and you're running track in the spring and then playing football from you know may to to the to november kept me pretty darn busy and it was just it was a blessing for sure it was a blessing that i got into sports as heavily as i did and in high school people start telling me that i could actually go to college mind you in ninth and tenth grade i was a d student no C, I was a straight D student in high school uh, between ninth and 10th grade. And people start telling me I had the, the athletic ability to go play football in college. And when, when people start telling me that, my whole mindset started to change. And it wasn't until, I want to say 11th grade, that I started changing my grades. But here's what happened, though. So in 11th grade, a couple things happened or leading up to 11th grade, a few things happened. So for one, I started getting football recruitment letters. The first letters, first letter I ever got was from Penn State University. And the second letter was from Penn State University. 
it was just before the whole scandal happened there, I want to say. And um, I started getting these letters and people start telling me to take it more serious. And so at that point, I started taking school a little bit more serious as well. Now, remember back to when when I told you that they were telling me that I had learning disabilities, this is when I really found out that this was all false and BS. So in 11th grade, leading up to 11th grade, I got started getting football letters. I starting, you know, started to, you know, get better as a, as an athlete. And I also got baptized as well. So I started, you know, I, I believe in Jesus Christ. And up until that point, I never, like church. I never wanted to go to church. But this was a pivotal moment in my life because I was becoming myself. I was be I was forming my my identity as to who I was uh, and who I wanted to be. And getting baptized was a crucial um it was a crucial point in my life to help me to really understand who I am and what my identity is. And being a disciple of Christ and a follower of Christ and, um, you know, just just being in the gospel was a huge part of my identity. And so I got baptized in 11th grade. I had straight A's. 12th grade, I had straight A's. And that was, that was very important to me understanding how I learned because during that time I also figured out how I learned and so my teenage years were years of self-discovery and uh, just figuring out who I was and who I wanted to be I came across started learning about finance during that time because I had a teacher and see I was fortunate enough to have you know little milestones in my life that helped me along right my my sister, she she was there when I needed her the most. She was there to provide for me. She was there to support me and to give me a, a safe place to live, clothes on my back and food on my in my tummy. And she also provided me with familiar fam, familiarity. <laughs> Struggled that word, but she provided me with that. And then in high school, I had a teacher come to me. And if you, if you, so in my high school at the time, we had things called schools, so colleges, and I was in a business school and my, my, my quote unquote degree was in marketing. And I had my marketing teacher, he was also the business teacher as well, or marketing is business, but um, you guys understand what I'm saying. He was my, he taught marketing and he also taught the business courses in my, in my school. And he came to me and said, man, you have a real knack for this stuff like it seems to come easy for you to understand it and i was also at the time a part of uh, fbla so future businesses of america and i was winning regionals in uh competition my my category was sports management so i was winning regionals and state and um there was two times i went to nationals i didn't go to nationals but I, i qualified for nationals just couldn't afford to go so i never went but this teacher told me that i had a knack a natural gift for understanding business. And at that point, that was when I started thinking about finances and everything and learning about Warren Buffett and, you know, just really starting to understand that, you know, we don't have to live this way for the rest of our life. 
it's up to me to break this cycle. And up until that point, I thought the only way that I could help support my family is through sports. And if I didn't play football in college and go to the NFL, then I was going to be a complete failure. And so I'm grateful that I learned about that I was exposed to business and finance when I was in high school. And so I, that's a little bit about my background growing up in the quote unquote disadvantaged situation, right? I was a troubled kid. My sister was a single mom. She raised us. And I just got in a ton of trouble growing up because everyone told me that the only way you're going to make it is if you play sports, you have a learning disability, so you're not smart. So I was told all these things. I was at a, dis a disadvantage financially, et cetera. But looking back on it, none of that was a disadvantage because here's the thing. Here's what I learned and here's what here's how my story here's how you can apply my story. Here's how I've applied my story as well. So, you know, others may be fortunate enough to go to prestigious schools. They may be fortunate enough to grow up in families either in middle in middle class or wealthy and be given access to influential people as well. I may you we weren't fortunate enough to have that. But what you do have, what little old you have is you've been given perspective. You've been given creativity because being poor, you have to be creative with how you survive. You've been given the ability to turn small things that others may look over into something that brings value. Secondly, you have experience. Experience is the greatest teacher in life. When you come from dirt, you get to see the whole process of rising to the top. You know what it's like to clean the toilets, so you know you know what it's like to clean the toilets, so you know what the janitors need in your organization to be successful. Don't ever downplay your life's phases because they are what will make you an exceptional person, an exceptional leader. When I first moved to Salt Lake in 2015, I had nothing but $1,500 to my name. And I was 22 years old. And all I knew was work. I knew I had to get it. I worked as a janitor. I went to school between uh, the hours of 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. And I went to my janitor job right after work. I mean, right after I got out of school, I started work at 6, taking public transit. And in the mornings, I worked at UPS. I had to ride a bike because I didn't have a car. And if any of you are listening who live in Utah and you may be living in Salt Lake, I lived in downtown Salt Lake at the time, and I had to travel to West Valley. That is a long bike ride in the winter to get to UPS. And I had to wake up about 1 2 o'clock in the morning to take that bike ride there. And I didn't, I didn't start work till 4. <laughs> so that's how long that bike ride was. But when you grow up poor... When you grow up in quote unquote 
disadvantaged situations, you learn how to grind. You learn how to survive. You learn that the only way that you're going to get out of the situation is based on the, the, the effort that you put in. It's based on the work that you put in. No one's going to come and save you. No one's going to come and give you a handout. You got to work. That comes through experience, right? You learn that based on the experiences you had as a kid. So in my life, I've, I've, I've learned to work. And sometimes that's been a, a negative thing because at some points in my life, I've worked so much that I've just, I've lost connection with, sorry, I've negatively impacted my relationships. So don't ever downplay your disadvantaged circumstances because they are a positive. The last thing I want to touch on is, is, is something that I think is probably the most valuable out of all of this. And that is the importance of family. When you grow up in poverty or disadvantaged situations, circumstances that may not be ideal for a kid as you grow up and you become an adult you understand the the importance and the value of family family becomes a high high priority for you when i was 18 years old i wanted to get married and i wanted to have kids i knew that maybe when even before then but i had that yearning to become a dad and a husband because my dad was not in my life the way that I wanted him to be. And that yearning pushed me and motivated me and influenced me to the point where I was like, I want to have kids and I want to be able to give my kids the life that I did not have, that interaction that a father should have with their kids. So you, you see your family struggling and it makes you hungry. I so desperately this to this day want to provide my family, my wife and my kids with a life that's extraordinary. And I am not going to stop until I, I get us to that point. And it's not just a, a monetary thing either. It's not a when we get to a certain amount of money, then I'll be happy. No, I'm happy right now because I see how much I've grown since I was a kid. And you probably feel the same way. You've probably grown so much since you was a kid. And I just wanted to get on today and kind of talk to you guys about my story and give you guys a little bit about my story, about, you know, the circumstances in which I came from, but also to share with you guys the positive effects of that as well. Because a lot of people want to look at growing up in those, up in those situations as a disadvantage, and I don't. I look at it as an advantage and I'm so grateful for those experiences because I've had friends who've been given everything and they're just oblivious to life. They're oblivious to what it takes to actually work hard. They're oblivious to the amount of effort you have to put in to be successful in this life. They're oblivious to what it means to actually have an identity. Your identity is forced through experiences. Your identity is forced to hard times and good times. 
So never take your disadvantaged circumstances for granted. They are an advantage. We work hard. We got an advantage over a lot of people because we know how to work. We know how to be creative. And at the same time, we want to be better than the past generation because we want to be able to be a light. We want to be able to be a resource. And for me, there's no greater feeling than serving other people. That's all I got to say today. I'll see you guys in the next episode. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Relentless Health Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please feel free to subscribe on the platform you're listening on and share with a friend. It helps us to grow and reach more people in the hopes of inspiring future healthcare leaders with a relentless mindset. As always, go be relentless.